Welcome to a special edition of Pond With Me, Why We Love Madonna, Part 2. What I would like to ultimately achieve, I already told Dick Clark once on American Bandstand. So I repeat it again and, um, and annoy everyone who was annoyed before when I said it. I want to conquer the world. <laughs> Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Are you ready to pod? Let's go. You all ready to pod? Let's talk, talk, talk. Are you ready to pod? Alex J. I. Here. Alex, are you ready to pod? Hey, 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 are you all ready? We are ready. Let's get to it. Ready. This is a special edition of Pod With Me. This is Alex J. Aguiar, and this is Pod With Me. This is part two of Why We Love Madonna. If you have not heard part one, you better get to it first. But anyhow, we left off talking about the most iconic movie ever made, which was Truth or Dare. After that, Madonna's big controversial moment was the music video, Justify My Love. The video was banned from MTV. She decided to sell it in stores, and she made more money off of it. Video played with sexuality. We never knew if there was a guy or if it was a girl and she was playing and making out and inside a hotel room. Nightline interviewed her about the video and the whole controversy. Well, I watched it live and again, I was rooting for her because she was standing up for us. You are pushing the limits of sexuality. In this case, you have nudity and you have bisexuality right. and you have uh, apparently group sex. You're carrying it a little further each time. And I guess what people are asking then is where is that line? I draw the line where, with violence and, and humiliation and degradation. If we're going to have censorship, let's not be hypocrites about this. Not, let's not have double standards, you know? I mean, why is it okay for 10-year-olds to see, you know, some, someone's body being ripped to shreds? Why are we going to deal with these issues? Why is that okay? Why do parents not have a problem with that? And, but why do they have a problem with two adults you know, two consenting adults displaying affection for each other, regardless of their sex. You have to help me here. When, when a 10-year-old sees mm -hmm. you chained to the bed or sees your boyfriend bound up and another woman comes by while you're there, m maybe you, no, don't, you, know, don't you know that that's a fantasy and you know that, that other people are, are able to deal with all kinds of sexuality, but a 10-year-old yeah. is going to get awfully confused here. Good. Then let them get confused and let them go ask their parents about it and let their parents you know, explain to them that it is a sexual fantasy and that these things exist in life, like they see violence, okay? It exists in life. It's not a pretty picture necessarily. You know, it's a frightening thing, but it's a reality. Why are we willing to deal with the realities of violence and sexism, and why aren't we willing to deal with sexuality? The networks won't even play ads on TV that are about condoms, about birth control, about practicing safe sex. We're pretending like we don't have a lot of teenagers that are having sex in the world right now. What, why are we, you know, why are we subjecting ourselves to this kind of ignorance? Whoa, nowadays that music video is done by anybody and they will never get that type of press or questions and it will just play. But back then, you couldn't do any of it and she did it. She opened the doors. Her next controversial moment was erotica. Her erotica album comes out and she decides to come out with a book called Sex. It's erotic pictures of her throughout Miami. You know, in locker rooms with naked men, 
with the sugar daddy. Hitchhiking on Miami Beach on Alton Road, naked. There were also a couple of celebrities in on the fun. Like Vanilla Ice and superstar model Naomi Campbell. And then it was out for sale and I was dying to buy the book. So I get all ready, I go buy the book and guess what? I was underage. A year underage and they would not sell it to me. I went to like three stores. No one sold it to me. But a couple years ago, you guessed it, the sister bought it for me for my birthday. And now I have it. Thank you, sis. Two years later, she comes out with bedtime stories. I remember taking a family trip to New York, passing by a record store, and there was a huge bedtime stories display. Then she was off to do Evita. She won a Golden Globe. Then she had her first child, Lourdes Leon. And then there was Ray of Light. At the time, I was working for a popular entertainment show called Deckle Drive. I was senior editor for the show, and there was an entertainment reporter. Her name is Tara Galani, the trend tracker, and she was very well connected in the beach, and she did stories on the latest trends and places, hotspots, where to go, and so on. And she was pretty well connected with Ingrid Caceres, who was very close to Madonna and owned two of the hottest nightclubs on South Beach, Liquid and Barroom. So this is a very cool moment that I've been dying to tell everybody. I was across the street from Barroom with my sister and the entertainment reporter who was doing a story for the show. When we were done filming the story, Tara wanted to go over and say hi to Ingrid. My sister and I were pretty tired, but we went along because we did not want to leave uh, Tara alone. We go ahead, we go inside to Barroom. We're in the VIP section. It was pretty empty, there was hardly anybody there. Tara said she'll be right back. She was going to the restroom. And then we sit down. All of a sudden, the lights dim. My sister starts pinching me. I see her lips whispering, M, M. I look to the front, and there she was, crossing right in front of me, sitting in the same couch. It was a long couch in the VIP that goes all around the, the VIP section. And she's sitting there. There were huge bodyguards all around the room. And I tell my sister right away, do not look because you're going to throw us out. Stop looking. Stop staring. Well, she kept on staring, but I was telling her, stop staring. <laughs> and then um, I go, I get up to go get Tara from uh, the restroom just in case they want to move us. And Tara's there. She's the one that, that's connected. I'm getting close to the restroom. The restroom door is open. On the outside, I can see her putting on makeup. She looks at me and she says, whispers, go back, like saying that she knew. So I go back to the sofa. Tara comes back later, a minute later. Madonna's sitting right there. My sister keeps looking. I'm telling her, do not look. Then my sister's friend was also there. At one point, she said that she wanted to go dance. <laughs> and my sister tells me, and then I tell Tara, Maria wants to go dance. And Tara said, I could have surgery. We're not getting up from here. I just started laughing. Meanwhile, I didn't realize till maybe 20 minutes later that actors Jeremy Piven and Jennifer Tilly were also in the VIP. But who cares about them when Madonna's there? We were freaking out. And at one point, she looked over to us and waved. And that was like the biggest high. My sister says that she had a bad hair day and she, that Madonna was probably thinking, look at this lady with her hair. We were cracking up about that too. And to think that we were so tired, we did not want to go to ballroom. Well, we would have missed that moment. Now let's talk about her brother, Christopher Ciccone. I was dancing uh, at one of the nightclubs called Score here in Miami Beach. And superstar DJ Tracy Young, who actually was the 
uh, DJ for Madonna's wedding, uh, introduced me to Chris. Christopher thought I was cute. Very nice guy. He invited me to dinner. We went to dinner. I did not want him to think I was going to dinner because of Madonna, but it was actually because of him because he was in Truth or Dare and I grew up seeing him in the movie because he, you know, he would go on tour with Madonna and, and he choreographed uh, the Gertie show, which was the 1993 tour, which was an amazing tour. He did a great job. After seeing him a couple times, I wouldn't associate him with Madonna anymore because he's uh, actually a really nice guy and and he became a friend. So Christopher, if you're listening to this, uh, I would love to interview you on pod with me. Here we are in 2000 and Madonna comes out with her music album. And then she finally goes back on tour with her world drawn tour. Guess who got to take the sister to this tour? <laughs> I did. And we had not seen her together since 1987. Now here's the story how I saw her again. No one takes breakups well. Well, I don't take breakups well at all. I had broken up with my ex. I wasn't not feeling good at all. I was very down. And um, my friend, my colleague and friend Taro tells me that I should go to Kabbalah. We all know that Madonna takes Kabbalah and she has uh, done a lot for the Kabbalah Center. I did not go to Kabbalah because of Madonna. I went to Kabbalah because she said to just go to an introduction and if it's for you, then you're in. If it's not, then you don't you don't have to go. So I said, what do I have to lose? I wasn't feeling well. I said, okay, fine. So I went to the introduction. Uh, my teacher, Shimon, a very special teacher that taught there and uh, passed away a couple years ago, was very spiritual. You could feel his energy, an amazing teacher. He uh, gave an incredible introduction. I mean, for those of you who don't know what Kabbalah is, really quick, uh, it comes from the Jewish religion, and um, they, but they don't believe in religion. They believe religion separates everybody and that we're all one. And it's all about connecting to the light. You can say the light of the Creator, the light of God, the light of Buddha, whatever. At the end, we believe in the same energy that helps us, no matter what name you call it or how you believe in it. Now, they do something called Shabbat on Friday. I knew she was going to be at the Kabbalah Center for that Shabbat. She was here that weekend for the tour, and I just knew it. I bought four tickets. My mom says, keep uh, buying tickets for Madonna. She's rich and you're poor. Keep, keep giving her money. Anyhow, so I'm sitting down, and all of a sudden, Guy Ritchie walks in with Rocco, Madonna's second son. I knew she had arrived. So I said, let me go get some water. As I walk out, there's a long hall, and at the end I see someone leaning against the wall, and I see her back with long blonde hair dressed on black in a French beret. I knew it was her. I'm walking because the water where I have to get water is right next to her. I'm walking and walking and I'm getting closer. I get to the water and there she is, standing right next to me, right next to me. And she's looking across, chewing her gum, and she says with her voice, Is Lourdes in the room yet? She sounded kind of pissed. Uh, but I was not going to go up to her and say, I'm a fan, or whatever I was going to say. Are you kidding me? I just saw her, and something weird happened. My legs started shaking. Uh, I felt like I was going to fall. Now, that never happens to me. It just happened. It was weird. I went right back to uh, my seat. And then later she walked in and the whole night I saw her there chanting, singing, 
had, we had dinner. She was right there, walking in front of me with Guy Ritchie, with Rocco, and later I saw Lourdes and the whole thing. Um, it was pretty surreal. The next day I went back because you go back on, you're supposed to go back on Saturday. She was very laid back. She was in a better mood. She was cracking up in front of me with her famous laugh and everything. And it was, it was, it was just a great experience. And after that, a couple years later, I met my uh, other ex-partner. <laughs> uh, that we were together for a couple years. We're great friends now. Uh, but when we first met, um, on our second date, I invited him over to the house because I was having a get-together. Because she came out with, I'm going to tell you a secret. Which is exactly like Truth or Dare, but how she is now, how she has matured. Uh, and it follows her through her reinvention tour. Um, it was a very good movie because it's, it's all about Kabbalah and it's what I was practicing. So that's another thing, that's another connection we have. Throughout the years, after, after I started taking Kabbalah, a lot of the songs have a lot of Kabbalah messages, which are very positive. So I keep connecting with Madonna as the years go by. I'm receiving an award for being Woman of the Year, so I ask myself, what can I say? about being a woman in the music business. What can I say about being a woman? When I first started writing songs, I didn't think in a gender-specific way. I didn't think about feminism. I just wanted to be an artist. I was, of course, inspired by Debbie Harry and Chrissy Hine and Aretha Franklin, but my real muse was David Bowie. He embodied male and female spirit, and that suited me just fine. He made me think there were no rules. But I was wrong. There are no rules if you're a boy. If you're a girl, you have to play the game. What is that game? You are allowed to be pretty and cute and sexy. But don't act too smart. Don't have an opinion. Don't have an opinion that is out of line with the status quo, at least. You are allowed to be objectified by men and dress like a slut, but don't own your sluttiness. And do not, I repeat, do not share your own sexual fantasies with the world. Be what men want you to be, but more importantly, be what women feel comfortable with you being around other men. And finally, do not age, because to age is a sin. You will be criticized, you will be vilified, and you will definitely not be played on the radio. When I first became famous, there were nude photos of me in Playboy and Penthouse magazine, photos that were taken from art schools that I posed for back in the day to make money. They weren't very sexy. In fact, I looked quite bored. I, w I was. Um, but I was expected to feel ashamed when these photos came out, and I was not, and this puzzled people. I made my erotica album, and my sex book was released. I remember being the headline of every newspaper and magazine, and everything I read about myself was damning. I was called a whore and a witch, one headline compared me to Satan. I said, wait a minute, 
Isn't Prince running around with fishnets and high heels and lipstick with his butt hanging out? Yes, he was. But he was a man. This was the first time I truly understood that women really did not have the same freedom as men. I remember feeling paralyzed. It took me a while to pull myself together and get on with my creative life, to get on with my life. I took comfort in the poetry of Maya Angelou and the writings of James Baldwin and in the music of Nina Simone. I remember wishing that I had a female peer that I could look to for support. Camille Paglia, the famous feminist writer, said that I set women back by objectifying myself sexually. Oh, I thought, so if you're a feminist, you don't have sexuality, you deny it. So I said, it. I'm a different kind of feminist. I'm a bad feminist. I couldn't have picked a better artist to be a fan of. Thank you, Madonna, for helping me lose weight, for standing up for our rights, for breaking the barriers, being spiritually connected with me, for the amazing music, and for giving us such great performances every time I see you on tour. You've never had more fun with anyone else, and you know it. You've never had more fun. We grew up together. I'll always love you, darling. You've been listening to a special edition of Pod With Me. This is Alex J. Aguiar. And don't forget that on Wednesday we have our quickie. On Thursday, our regular episode. And on Friday on our Facebook page, we're going to be live at 8.30 p.m. with a surprise topic. That's at facebook.com, podwithmeaja. For more on Pod With Me, you can go to alexjaguiar.com. And remember, don't fall off the pod.